we're in the series here where we're looking at um, uh, some of the parables it, that Jesus taught, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking about prayer. And so what I did was I um, got our you know our, our staff together and I said, hey, listen, maybe maybe tonight if we could put together a video, you know, maybe six tips on how people could have a, a better prayer life, a deeper, more meaningful prayer life, if we could put that together, and if it's good, and it really helps the people, then, uh, then maybe I wouldn't even have to uh, preach. And what we could do is, you guys can go out and have a, a great evening. And so I, I want you to see this, and then we'll decide whether this is, these six tips we came up are, are helpful. So go ahead and run, 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 run the video. Hi, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chachi. We're getting here ministries. You know, a lot of people come up to us and ask us hard questions about God and the Bible and spiritual living. And you know why a lot of those questions are softball questions for us? There are actually some pretty good ones. One of them being, how do I have a better prayer life? Well, good news, we got some killer tips to a better prayer life. Before we do that, though, let's start off with a title and some dance moves. No, we're not doing a title and a dance. Let's just kind of get into this. When you're saying a prayer in public, you want to use the phrase Father God as much as humanly possible. Just last week, I said a 30-second prayer and got 17 Father Gods in it. Now look, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying with a little bit of effort, it can be done. If you have a prayer request but don't actually want to request it, simply say, unspoken. I currently have six unspokens that I'm praying for this guy about. Johnny, sorry to bother you, but I actually have another prayer request. Okay. What? It's unspoken. <laughs> okay, well that's seven. And while I have no clue what I'm praying about, someone does. Just no one human. The Bible says pray without ceasing, and well, we believe in the Bible. Chachi has been praying without ceasing for over 32 hours now. Chachi, how do you feel? What, who said what? Where, where am I? Well, Chachi, you have been praying for over 32 hours straight. You feel pretty good? Can I get a restroom break? <laughs> Not if you want to fully obey scripture. Let's say you become privy to some juicy information about someone, but don't want to be seen as a gossip. We've got good news. You're good to go if you put it in the form of a prayer request. I still cannot believe what Jill said to Keith. I can't believe it either, but did really? you know that John got canned? What? Are you, are you... Let's talk about it in a prayer group. Some think your prayer position is irrelevant, but we have found that your prayer position can not only boost your prayer life, but can stretch you physically. Chachi, why don't you go ahead and show us some examples? Well, I wasn't really planning on praying, but I guess I could give it a shot. Okay. Oh, very nice. Good, that is classic. Wow. Seriously, wow. The last thing you do when you pray is fairly obvious. You say, amen. And if you happen to be in a group of people holding hands, it's imperative that you accompany that amen with a physical action known as the hand squeeze. The squeeze lets the people on either side of you know, hey, the prayer's over. I care about you, but I'm letting go now. And when you are holding hands, never interlock, because that can make your prayer partners a little uncomfed. We want to thank you for watching, or shall I say, growing in your prayer life. Yeah, now can we do the, the title and the dance moves? No, just kind of say thanks for watching. And That's seriously unreal. This is actually my miracle position. Well, as I said, we're, we're in a, um, a series here called Parables, and so far we've looked at um, three of them, the parable of the prodigal son, which Pastor Bobby uh, Kirchner uh, preached, and then we looked at the parable of the four soils, and then last week we looked at the parable of the shrewd manager, and today we're going to look at what I think is probably one of the funniest stories in the Bible. 
okay? One of the funniest parables, certainly, and that is the parable of the persistent woman, which I want us to read right now together, okay? So take your Bibles or look in your notes or on the jumbotrons at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story, this is verse 1, to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a certain judge in a city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a decision in the end, a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Why did Jesus tell his closest buddies this story? He gathers them all together. These are his disciples. And he tells this story. What, what did he want those guys to learn by telling this story? More importantly, what, what does God want us to maybe learn about him in this story? Well, I want you to look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Beloved, the reason Jesus told this story was he wanted us all to understand the importance of prayer. He wanted us to, to understand the, the importance of, um, of praying and, and never giving up praying. You see, I think we're all pretty good at praying, especially when something goes haywire. We're, we're really good to, to go to God. In fact, people who don't even believe in God, when something goes haywire, will cry out to God. It's the never giving up part. You see, it's one thing to go to God and pray. It's another thing to go to God and continue to go back to God. Two different worlds. The great apostle Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He said, never stop praying. Now this doesn't mean that you're to pray continuously, you know, without taking a break. That'd be stupid, you know, like we saw with Johnny and Chachi. It simply means that we're to pray persistently. It just ought to be a part of our, our life. Or, uh, we, you know, we eat breakfast, you know, we eat lunch, we eat dinner. It's just a, a part of the rhythm of our life. Praying ought to be just a part of the, the rhythm of our lives. Talking with the, the, the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And he's not just saying, hey, be persistent in your prayers just for believers. He's just simply making a point there that we need to be praying for believers. But I think the greater point is, is just be persistent in your prayers. Don't, don't just give it the, you know, one-time shot and then, you know, if he doesn't answer your prayer, well, you're just done. I'm done. Philippians Chapter 4 says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everything. 
tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. You see, we, we tend to be quick to go to God with the big stuff. Something's happening in our lives. I'm going to talk more about this in a moment. But God says, hey, listen, I want you to talk to me about everything. And that rhythm of your life, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and morning prayers, afternoon prayers, evening prayers, whatever the rhythm is, talk to me about everything. Talk to me about your job. Talk to me about your neighbors. Talk to me about your cat. Talk to me about your dog. Talk to me about your hobbies. Talk to me about the things that make you laugh. Talk to me about the things that break your heart. Talk to me about your vacation, where you want to go on your vacation. Talk to me about everything. Everything. Colossians chapter 4 says this. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will, I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. You can go throughout the scriptures and you, you just see this idea that we are to be people who, who pray. And not just people who pray, but like Jesus said in this parable, that we would pray and never give up praying. That we would just be persistent in our prayers or in our uh, talking with, with God. Now, there are only two characters in, in the story. Number one, there's a powerful judge, okay? And number two, there's a powerless widow. And verse 2 gives us a little description of the first character, this powerful judge. It says this, there was a judge in a certain city, Jesus said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. I mean, this guy, this guy didn't give a rip about people. He was unsympathetic. He was callous. He was uncaring. He, he had no feelings. And to top it off, he didn't give a, a rip about God. He was a wicked man. So here's this guy who didn't care about people. He didn't care about God. He's wicked, and he's in a very powerful position. Okay, then in verse 3, we meet our second character, the, the powerless widow. Verse 3 says, a widow of that city came to him, this judge, repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And we're not given a lot of information about this woman or, you know, what her problem was. All Jesus does is tell us that she was a widow. And in that culture, at that time, that wasn't good. You were, you were basically at the bottom of the, 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 the totem pole. You, you didn't really have any rights, you know. You were at the bottom of the social ladder. There, you just didn't have any resources if you were a, a, a widow. In other words, it was a bummer to be a, a widow in that day. But though she was a, a, a widow, she wasn't a pushover. In fact, I was really impressed with this woman. The more I read this story, the more impressed I was with this, this gal. You see, whatever her problem was, she wasn't going to let this wicked, unsympathetic judge, you know, off the hook. She wasn't going to do it. And in verses 4 and 5, we have a, a battle, a battle of the wills. It reminds me a little bit of uh, the battle that goes on in our home at times. See, I've had a junior hire. I got one now, and I'm going to have another one. Anybody out there got a junior hire, ever had one? Yeah. Now some of you are going, you know what? You're right. This story does remind me of my, my children. I mean, there's a battle of the wills going on in this courtroom. Unbelievable what, what, what's happening here. Look, look at verse 4. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, look, I don't fear God, I don't give a rip about God, and I don't care about people. But this woman's driving me crazy. Oh, no, there she is again. Oh, no, here she comes. 
I'm going to see that she gets justice just because she's wearing me out. I mean, this is just an unbelievable little story that you can read in about, you know, 15 seconds. Now, I got to believe that when the disciples heard this, you know, Jesus gathers them all together. Maybe they were in a house. Maybe they were sitting out in a field. And he tells a story. I just envision Peter, James, John, Matthew, the boys, just cracking up. I mean, the, the, the picture of this powerful judge. I don't care about God, and I don't care about you. And here's this widow, the, the low man on totem pole, if you will. No power. No social standing. Just keeps coming. Just keeps coming. And finally, the, you know, the, 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 the judge gives in. The only weapon that she had at her disposal was her persistence. That's it. She didn't have any friends. Nobody she could go to. All she had was her persistence. She kept going back and back and back at this judge. She, she became a, a, a nuisance. She was badgering him. And finally, he just gives in. He's, he's met his match. He's exhausted. He throws in the towel. He says, oh, look, I don't fear God. I don't care about people. But look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you're, you're, you're taken care of. One version says, she's wearing me out. That's what the judge says. She's wearing me out. Now, I need to make something crystal clear. This isn't what God wants us to do with him. Okay? He doesn't want you to come to him and ask for the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. He doesn't want you to drive him, you know, crazy, because here's the deal, you can't drive God crazy. You can't do it. You can't exhaust him. That's not the point of this story. A lot of people think it is. That you just keep coming to God with the same request over and over and over and over. And finally, you know, he'll go, look, I, who cares what my will is? Look, I just, just I'm going I'm to change this thing. Go, go do it. Whatever. That's not the point of the story. Okay? This is what you call comparison by, by contrast. Jesus is saying, if a heartless, evil, wicked, unsympathetic, uncaring judge will ultimately help you out, how much more can you count on a God who loves you deeply? How much more can you count on a God who made you in his image? Yes, this judge didn't fear God. He, he didn't care about people, the two greatest commandments. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then care about others the way you care about yourself. This judge blew the top two commandments right out the window. He didn't, he didn't care. But he finally came around and was a blessing. And what Jesus is trying to tell us here is this. Look, if this guy who's a loser will ultimately give this woman justice, don't you think God, who cares deeply about you, don't, don't you think he'll... He'll show up in your life. Everybody look at verse 7. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Here's the lesson. Even he, this unjust judge, you know, loser of a guy, rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? The idea there is there's a persistence about it. Don't you think, God, when, when you come to him and talk to him in the morning at your morning prayers or your afternoon prayers or your evening prayers, don't, don't you think that, that he's going to be a blessing to you, this crummy judge? Evil judge, wicked judge came around. Hello? God, God's better than that, right? You see, the, the point of the story is that God is eager to answer your prayers. You don't have to beg and gripe and complain and pester or whatever. God says, I'm not like that judge. 
I'm eager to answer your prayers. So the question then comes up, then why, why be persistent? Why should you keep on praying when God doesn't answer your prayers immediately after you pray them or, or whatever? Well, I think there's lots of reasons, but I'm gonna share with you four. These are the four, I think, that came to my mind. These are the four reasons why you keep on praying when you don't get an immediate response. Obviously, this woman kept going to the judge, but she kept getting a bad response, and she kept going and kept going and kept going. And I want to just maybe lay out a, a few things uh, about persistent prayers, what, what you know, happens when you don't give up praying. Number one, and I think this might be the most important one, Persistent praying helps you keep your focus on God. When, when you pray about something, when you spend time talking with God about something, and you don't get an answer to your prayer right away, it forces you to go back and spend more time with God. You see, makes sense, right? I mean, if, um, and we'll, we'll pick something here. Um, let's say I, uh, I uh, let's say they found a lump where there's not supposed to be a lump. And you pray, Lord, I, I, I found a lump. And I don't know where the lump, you know, the, I don't know why there's a lump there. And you're nervous and you're anxious and you want to know what that lump is. If all of a sudden, you know, out of your Bible came this little piece of paper. Oh, that's what it is. Oh, okay. And you walk, you'd walk away. You're, you're done talking with God. Why didn't you be with him? He just, he just gave you the answer. No, no point in hanging out with him. I, in fact, yeah, I don't even need to talk with God in my afternoon prayer time. <laughs> he gave me the answer I needed right here in the morning. I'm done. But what, what tends to happen is, is you know, you, you find the lump and, man, it gets you on your knees. All of a sudden, you're focused on God. And you're, God, I found this lump and I'm nervous and I'm scared. And I don't do, Lord. Then in the afternoon, you know, in your rhythm of prayer, oh man, God, I, I got this lump, help me, God, I'm just nervous, I'm scared. And then you finally call the, the doctor, and the doctor tells you, well, you can get in on Tuesday. Oh no, Tuesday. So you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying. Finally, Tuesday comes around, you go see your primary care physician, and he gives you the little slip that says you can go see the oncologist. <laughs> and so you call the oncologist, and uh, he can get you in next Friday. And all of this time, you're one God, you wanted an answer. What is this? What's going on? And finally, you get in to see the oncologist, and the oncologist goes, oh, yeah, you got a lump. I know I got a lump. I found the lump. I'm not paying you to tell me I got a lump. I know I got one. Well, here's what we'll do. We'll set up a time to take a biopsy, and we'll do that next Thursday. <laughs> and finally, they take the biopsy. And maybe it was a cyst, maybe it was cancer. It doesn't matter what it is in the story. The point is, if the first time you would have gone to God and prayed, oh yeah, it's just a cyst, don't worry about it, you're done. You're, not, you, you, you're no longer gonna be focusing on God anymore. And so what happens is, does God know? If it's a cyst, yeah. Does God know if it's cancer? Yes. Does God know if it's just something else? Yes. Could God tell you? Yes. But he doesn't. Because he wants you to be persistent in your prayers. He, he wants you to continue to focus on him. And so what happens oftentimes, he doesn't answer a prayer because he just wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to keep your eyeballs on him. You see, and anything that gets you to spend more time communicating or connecting with God is a, is a good thing, isn't it? You see, one of, one of the many problems we have as humans is we tend to look to everybody else to solve the problems that come up in our lives or our businesses or our families or whatever instead of the Lord. You know, we, we look to our friends, and I'm glad I got friends. But God says, look, I, I want you to come to me. Uh, sometimes we, 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 we look to our families, and I'm glad I got a great family. But God says, hey, look, I, I, I want you to come to me. Sometimes we, we go to a counselor, we, we come to our, our pastors, and we're here to be a blessing to you. But one of the first questions we normally ask is, you know, have you been praying about it? Yeah, yeah, I've been praying. Oh, really? Tell me. Tell me about your prayers. What have you been praying? 
Because what you tend to find out is, you know, you really haven't spent a lot of time with God. Seems like more and more we look to the government to solve all of our problems. We look everywhere except the Lord. And one of the things persistent praying does is it, it focuses you on the Lord. King David nails this idea in Psalms 105 where he says, depend on the Lord and his strength. Always go to him for help. See, D David got it. Nothing wrong with having family members and friends and counselors and pastors. that They all have a role to play. But they're also secondary to just being with Jesus. And I think if nothing else, that this Jesus was trying to tell the boys that were in, around the campfire that night and all of us because it's re recorded in Scripture, look, be persistent in your prayers. The reason why I, I'm not answering your prayers right away is because I just want you to come to me. Come to me. Keep coming to me. Bring it to me. Bring me your fears. Bring me your worries. Bring me your concerns. Bring me the anxiety. I already know about the lump. I already know about your business that's failing. I already know about your finances. I already know about your marriage. I know about your teenagers. I know about it all. I just want you to come to me and spend time with me because it's in his presence that amazing things take place. You, you, can, you can come into my office and on my best day, you know, you'll leave bummed out, <laughs> depressed, you know, beat up. But I guarantee you, when you leave the presence of the Lord, it's a whole different thing. See, God likes it when you come to him. God likes it when you spend time, you know, with him. God likes it when you depend on him for things. God likes it when you spend time talking with him about whatever's going on in your life. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, you parents... If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? <laughs> or if they ask for a fish, do you, do you give them a, a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? And he's not putting down moms and dads. He's just simply saying, look, you've got this fleshly body, this you know, headquarters of sin. Paul said, no good dwells in your flesh. And you can still pull off giving your kids cool things, good things, things that'll make them smile and laugh and bring them joy. And you're sinful. Imagine what the father can do who has no sin. He's, he's, he is love. Wow. I don't know about you, but I, I love it when my kids come and, and ask me for help or whatever. I, I like it. I like it when they come and they're excited about some toy or game or whatever. And I don't always get them everything they ask. But I like it. And I think God likes it. I know God likes it. And so in your regular rhythm of, of praying, and you ought to have a regular rhythm, be persistent. You see, the reason why some of you, well, you're not persistent because you don't have a regular rhythm. You just don't. And you, and you, and you need to. I love Proverbs chapter 15. It says, the Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but he delights in the prayers of the upright. He, he, he just digs it when you come and spend time with him. When you're with him in the morning, you're with him in the afternoons, you're with him in the evenings, he loves it. <laughs> I think he loves it so much, that's why bzzz, the little paper doesn't come out and say, oh, don't worry about it, just assist. And so what he does oftentimes is he'll delay an answer to a prayer just because he wants you to be with him, hang out with him. King David said this in Psalms 56, my enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know, God is on my side. 
See, and a lot of people think that that's kind of a cocky, arrogant statement. I don't think it is. Uh, on my license plate on my car, I've got this little thing, and it says, you know, God loves you, but, but I'm his favorite. And I, I've had people get upset about that. I'm not kidding. Uh, in fact, I know, I know a person who left our church because of that. I'm not kidding. And he said, I just think that's really arrogant and cocky. And I said, what, are you bummed out because God loves me more than you? That was, <laughs> see, I really, I, I just want you to know something, people. I know God loves you, but I also know that God is deeply in love with me. I know it. I know it. I know that. And it changes the way I live, you see. Because I know that God loves me. See, King David, he knew God's on my side. He knew it. He believed it. One of the things you find when you study the life of King David is that he was a man of prayer. He, he prayed often. He understood the importance of persistent praying, okay? And one of the reasons he prayed so often was he really believed that God was on his side. And when you understand that, you'll find yourself talking with him more often. So if you really believe God's on your side, if you really believe that God loves you, you really believe that? Man, why wouldn't you want to hang out with him and talk about it? Number two. Persistent praying helps clarify um, your request. We don't like this one very much. That's why we don't persistently pray. We pray one time, we tell God exactly what it is we want done. Here's the gig, God. Boom, 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 boom. Got it, bye, boom, we're out the door. And what you prayed wasn't God's will. And so when you keep coming back and you have this rhythm where you spend time with him talking about whatever it is that's going on, that gives the Holy Spirit within you a chance to kind of clarify what his will is as you dialogue with him and, and, and talk with him or whatever. Now, when God doesn't answer your prayers, um, what does it do to you? You see, what it should do to you is what happened to the woman in the story. No, I'm not going to help you. Her prayer wasn't answered. But she didn't give up. When God doesn't answer your prayer right away, don't give up. Come back and spend some time with the Lord. Keep coming back and spending more and more time with the Lord. Because the chances are greater, the, the more you hang out with God and talk about whatever the situation might be, the greater the chances you're going to actually find his will in whatever that um, situation is. In, in other words, persistent praying gives, simply gives you time, the, the time that you need to see what God's will really is. And that's what we want. We, we, we ultimately want what God's will is. When Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, God, <laughs> Father, if there's another way we can kind of solve the problem of sin other than me going to the cross, I'm all for that. But not my will, Father. Yours. See, there's nothing wrong when you're spending time with the Lord praying to share whatever it is you want or what you like or what you think. Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes it's in that persistent praying that you're humbled and then you find yourself saying, you know, God, I, maybe there's another plan. Maybe there's another way you want to go about doing this. I, I, a great example is um, uh, kids that are heading off to college. And so um, oftentimes a student will have maybe two or three options and Man, I'm just trying to find God's will. I really want to go to this college, and I applied to this one, and I applied here, and I applied here, and they begin to pray, God, I really want to go to this school. God, that's the school I want to go to. And they pray, and they pray, and they pray, and they're persistent. And guess what? They, they, the college doesn't accept them. But guess what? We're getting closer to God's will now, aren't we? That's done. Well, I got these two left. 
And then you start praying. Well, they gave me a bigger scholarship than this one. Well, can you afford this one? No. Ooh. I think we're finding God's will here as we go. And it's in the persistence of your prayers that God is helping you find his will. It's like, it's like prayer sometimes starts off like a, a spotlight in the sky. And as you're praying, persistently praying, morning prayers, afternoon prayers, evening prayers, he's bringing it down to a laser beam. But it started here. And now God is just saying, listen, okay, here's the deal. I, I appreciate that prayer. That's a great prayer, but that, that's not my will. So we need to go this way. We need to go this way. And it's in those uh, uh, persistent uh, times of prayer you find that. If you only pray one time, you walk away, you're done, right? It, uh, it doesn't happen the way you want. You get all mad at God. I remember when Megan, my 22-year-old, she was about five at the time, and uh, I used to take her down to Toys R Us, and the building was a little bit different. It, um, it, it used to have this big wall of games when you walked in. This is, this is uh, way back. And I would take her in there, and I usually did it about once a quarter or so, and I'd take this little five-year-old in, and I'd say, you know, pick a game, any game. And, you know, it's this huge wall, you know. And she'd pull a game off. And I remember one time, five-year-old pulled off Monopoly. And I said, Monopoly? You want Monopoly? Yeah, I want Monopoly. So I bought her Monopoly. She, she didn't even remember any of this. And so we got it home, and she doesn't even, you know, she didn't play the game. She just took the little houses and put them in an order, and the little guys, and the green things, and the money, and whatever. And it just gave me great joy to watch her play with Monopoly. Uh, I took her back. We'd go, like I said, we'd go in once a quarter. Pick a game, any game. And she walked over and she goes, I want that one. And it was a Ouija board. Oh. And I said, you want that one? I said, you know what? You're not going to get that one. She has no clue what any of these games are. She's just looking at colors and stuff. I said, you're not going to get that one. Well, I want that one. No, no, uh, that, that game you're not going to get. But you can pick another one. No, that's the one I want, Daddy. That's the game I want. No. I know a little bit more about these games than you do. And this isn't a game you're going to get. Now, we can walk out of here in a minute, and you can get nothing. Or pick another one. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I think that's a great illustration of how God works in our lives. See, she didn't know what a Ouija board was. I did. And there are things that we will go to God and we'll pray about. And we think, this is what I want. This is what's going to be best. This, hey, God, you do it. This, this, this. I'm telling you, it's going to be great. And God says, no, no, no. Uh-uh. You're not getting that. Pick something else. No! God says, pick something else. I know a little bit more about this thing called life than you do. I know you've got a big shot degree. <laughs> and you're a smart person and you built a million dollar business, but I, I know a little bit more about life than you. And so when you're persistent in your praying, you don't give up. It's at that moment that, okay, you put the Ouija board back in the deal and you find another one. And God goes, there you go. Yeah, go have fun with that one. But if you're, if you're not persistent in it, then you walk out and you don't get any game. And I think, I think if that bums God out more than it bums us out. Because God wanted you to have a game. And you stopped. You didn't, have, you didn't get it your way. And you got angry. Now here's the deal. She, she never... She would, and then, okay, Dan, I'll pick another one. She picked another one. That's fine. I think we lose out on a lot of blessings from the Lord because we, we stop and we walk away and we pick up our ball and we go home and God's going, whoa, 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 whoa. 
That's... The, the prophet Zechariah said this, I will test them as gold is tested. Then they will pray to me and I will answer them. You see, time separates um, deep longings from, from mere whims, I think, at times. And so in the midst of persistent praying, some of the things that we really thought we wanted, we go, you know what, I really need that, not that much. Time separates an earnest desire from just a passing fad. Anybody here ever ran out and bought something because you just thought you had to have it, and as soon as you had it, you're going, dude, what, what's this? But at the time, you really had to have it. And we see that especially with, with our kids. I gotta have that one, that's the one I want, I gotta have that one, I go, I know I need to buy it, and it's like, you know, next day it's like, I, I don't even want that thing. But you let a little time go by. I remember, I remember uh, I, I, my mom, I wanted, wanted this bike. I had a bike, but I wanted another bike, and I, went, I asked my dad, I said, hey dad, well, would you buy, buy me this bike? I was just a kid. He said, I'll tell you what, you save half the money, and I'll give you half, the other half of the money. Now, I had a bike, but I wanted this other bike, Stingray. Big sissy bar thing coming up, man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and so I'd saved up the money, but it, you know, it took me whatever it was, a month or two, and it was like, when I had the money, I was like, I don't want that bike. I don't want to blow my money on that bike. That's stupid. But what got me there, what got me there was time. And so God often doesn't answer our prayers right away because he's, 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 you know, wanting us to hang out with him, but it also gives him a chance to clarify some of our own longings that our flesh um, has or, or whatever. Um, n- n- number three, persistent uh, pr- praying prepares you for, for the answer. And this is something that uh, I hadn't really thought a lot about. I don't think probably many of you do either. You see, God often wants to do more than whatever it is you're praying for. I mean, you're praying for something and God's thinking that that's it? That, that's all you want from me? I'm the almighty God and all you want is that? And because God is so good, he, he, he's going to, you know, answer your prayer in a way that'll blow your mind. But before he does that, he's got to get you ready for it. And how he gets you ready is when you just spend some time with him. Ephesians chapter 3 says, Now glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. There are, there are times when God wants to answer your prayers in a bigger way than what you've prayed. I've had that happen. I started off with, Lord, you know, oh, yeah, we got to figure this thing out. Help us, Lord, this is thing. And, you know, will you give us this? If we just give us this, I'm telling you, God. And God's going, are you kidding me? That's, that's what you want? Hello? I kept the earth on its axis. And you're asking for that? I kept your heart beating last night. Anybody in here ever just sit around and go, beat, beat, oh, please beat, 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 beat. Is it beating? Art, is it beating? Beat, beat. No. Well, think about it. God just keeps it beating. And when your time is up, he just stops beating. Don't worry about it. And here's this incredible God who goes, man, I, w- I want to blow your mind. In fact, I'm going to blow your mind, but before I do it, we need to spend some time together. I've got to get you ready for this. I've got to prepare you for this. <laughs> I-, I was thinking about this this week. I think some of the reasons why my prayers have not been answered the way I wanted them to, was because they were too small. I'm just talking for me. I think God was going, really? You're kidding me, right? That's what you're asking me for? The God of the universe? 
all-powerful? That? Is that what you think about me? And in my times of just being with the Lord, it's, you know, it comes around to, here's it, we've all heard this little phrase here, you know, prayer changes things, right? And that's absolutely true. Prayer changes things. But more importantly, here's the deal. Prayer changes you. That's the point. I believe in prayer, and I think prayer works, and it matters, and all that. But the thing about prayer isn't that it changes things. It's, it's, it, the point is it changes us. When we've spent time with the Father and we've focused on the Father, and the next thing you know, instead of him just giving us whatever we want in our times of persistent prayer, we've now found his will. It's been clarified. And all of a sudden, our lives are transformed to a way greater de- 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 degree. So, so number one, uh, persistent praying helps, helps you focus on God. Number two, persistent praying helps you clarify your requests. Number three, uh, persistent praying helps prepare me for God's answer. And, and number four, persistent praying strengthens your faith when you Spend time with the Lord on a regular basis. You see, God wants you to grow in your faith. He wants you to be mature in your relationship with him. And one of the great ways that God accomplishes this is by making you wait. <laughs> see, and I'm no, I'm no cook, but you, you, you can take a big slab of meat. My wife will go out to Costco and get the the thing, the, 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 what is it, the, the tri-tip thing, that's it. It's a big slab of meat thing. And you can, you can buy the slab of meat and throw it right on the grill. And you can do it and barbecue it, and it's good. Or you can take that slab of meat, before you just use it, you let it marinate in something. And now all the juice. See, some of you are hungry, huh? Hey, get done with this message, will you? And now, now all of a sudden, it's, it's been marinated. It's been sitting in the juice for a while. And now you take that same piece of meat, put it on the grill. Wow. Changes it. You see, um, when, when you hang out with the Lord, when you are persistent in praying, you're persistent in just talking with the Lord, that's like marination. You see, you're, you're made in God's image. We all are. And you can be saved. Going to heaven when you die. But you're not growing and maturing because you haven't been marinating. Growth, maturity takes time. It takes time to get the, the, the marinating juices into the meat. It takes time to grow deeper in your faith. And so... One of the things that happens when God doesn't answer your prayers or you're just persistent in your praying is he's deepening your faith. He's making you wait so that more of his life can invade your life, you see. Waiting tests your faith. One of the great marks of maturity is how long you can wait. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 6. He said, let us not become weary in doing good. Don't become weary in doing good. Prayer's a a, a good thing. We'd all agree, right? Don't don't become weary at, at praying. Don't become weary at persistently being with the Lord. Because at the proper time, you're going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. In other words, God says, hang on, be patient. The harvest is coming. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just because you got to wait, just because you don't get the answer right away, don't give up. God's timing is perfect. So so when God doesn't answer your prayers and your timing, it's not... Him saying he doesn't like you. 
Because he does like you. In fact, he loves you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. He's simply putting you in a a place where you have to focus on him because the longer you focus on him, the greater the chances that your faith in him will be deeper. And the deeper your faith in him changes how you pray and what you pray for. Now, now Jesus uh, concludes this parable in verse 8. He says, I tell you, uh, he will grant justice to them quickly. And then there's this phrase. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? And not everybody agrees as to what's being said here. I mean, here's Jesus talking about prayer in this story, and then, bam, he ends it with this idea about faith. Well, let me tell you what I think is going on here. Um, I think the reason he ends with this is because faith and, and prayer go, go hand in hand. You see, the story is not just about praying persistently. It's also about having faith because the size of your prayers are determined by the size of your faith in God. Yes, the story is about this woman who was persistent with this judge who finally gives in, and Jesus says, hey, look at man, he's a bad guy, evil guy, how much more your father, right? I mean, he'll, so hang out with, hang out with the father, talk to the father, but then he ends it with this whole idea of, of faith. If you want to know how big your God is, probably just check out your prayer requests. And what God wants to do is he wants you to have a deep faith, a mature faith. Well, if at any time there's a delay in God answering your prayers, you you can know that two things are going on. Number one, God is testing your faith. And number two, Satan is contesting your faith. And I wish I had time to unpack number two maybe a little bit more. See, one of the things that Jesus wants us to admire about this widow was her faith. She refused to give up. She was persistent, tenacious, determined. So here's here's the question for you. Um, How quickly do you give up up when, when the answer isn't immediate? Do you lose heart? Do you give up? In Luke chapter 11, Jesus told another parable, and the purpose of that parable was really the same as this one, different parable, but the same truth, keep on praying and don't give up. And at the end of that parable in Luke chapter 11, it says this in verse 9, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive whatever it is you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Here you got this great passage about keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. You see, too often we run up and we knock on the door and then we run away from the door. How many people would you talk to on the phone if you only let it ring once? Probably not many, huh? And so here's this idea where God says, hey, look, knock on the door. I I couldn't count in my lifetime how many houses I've been to, and I go up to the door, and you hear TV on or something. I don't just go... That's it, man. I'm out of here. No. You're polite and you're courteous and you you knock again. No, they're in there. Oh, ding dong. Hey, guess what? Oh, hey, 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 I was in the backyard. And I would have missed the fellowship of hanging out with somebody if I only knocked once. And Jesus says, no, no, knock. But, but I, I want you to focus on me, so knock again. Keep knocking. Don't give up. This story is about a woman, this powerless widow, just didn't give up. She kept on knocking. She, she just kept on seeking. Incredible illustration to, to all of us. 
Some of you right now are, have, a, have a shaky marriage, right? And you've been praying for it for months or years and nothing seems to you know, be changing. Are you going to give up? This widow didn't give up. Some of you can't find the, the right boyfriend or girlfriend. You've been praying for a long time. And you're wondering, am I ever going to get married? Are you going to give up? Give up looking? Just take, settle for anybody? This, this widow didn't give up. Some of you right now can't find the right job. And you've been praying. And you've been praying and you've been praying. It's been months, right? For some, maybe years. You ready to throw in the towel, huh? Are you gonna? Here's the deal, this, this woman didn't give up. She didn't give up. Some of you are facing some serious illness and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying. You're gonna give up? Well, you know, I know you guys prayed for somebody last month and you know, they died. Didn't do them any good. Okay, so you're going to give up? We're all going to die. Every time I look in the mirror, I see my hair, and I go, man, I'm, I'm that old guy I used to mock when I, when, I, when I was younger. Obviously, we all have to die. But just because a prayer didn't turn out my way doesn't mean I'm, not, I'm giving up. Well, guy died, you know, so I ain't praying for anybody ever again. Well, that's just crazy. That's just crazy. But that's the attitude some people have. They just give up. Some of you have a dream. And you've been praying about that dream. Maybe it's a business you want to start. I don't know what it is, but you've just got a dream. And you've been praying and praying and praying. You're going to give up on that dream? Maybe God just wants to know how badly you want it. Maybe God wants to see if it's like that Stingray bicycle. You really want that thing? Well, then let's you and I hang out together. You focus on me. I'll, I'll clarify the prayer request. I'll, I'll clarify this a, a little bit for you. I want to get you ready. Because, wow, that's going to blow your mind. And I want to mature you. Because more than I want you to have that dream, I want you to be a mature follower of mine. Look, God put this story here for you if you're ready to give up on your marriage or your business or whatever. Don't give up. Don't give up. The point of this story is just don't give up. Hang in there. Man, don't cave into discouragement and expect a, a miracle. The Bible says in James chapter 5, when a believing person prays, great things happen. And the key word there is when a believing person prays. Not a believer. There's a lot of believers who are probably here now who don't believe. There's a difference. It's when you really believe. Whoa. I believe. I, I, I just believe. Great thing. It doesn't say what you prayed for will happen. It just says great things will happen. Because great things happen in your life because you've been focused on God. Great things happen maybe for the kingdom because you found God's will. Great things happen because your, your faith is being deepened. Some of the greatest things that happen aren't for whatever it is you were praying for, but it's what happened in your life. All right, so over in the venue, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up in here. And um, uh, let, let, let's say these, these four things out, out loud together, okay? Can we put them up on the, on the jumbotrons? Here we go. Number one, persistent praying helps you <clears throat> focus on God. Number two, persistent praying helps clarify your request. Number three, Persistent praying prepares you for the answer. And number four, 
Persistent praying strengthens your faith. Why don't you close your eyes just for a moment. Close your eyes. And while your eyes are closed, I'm going to ask Pastor Tim to come on up here and have him close our time. But I, I just want to share something with you because your eyes are closed. The altar room uh, is always available. Sometimes there's a big, long waiting line and nothing I can do about that. Sometimes there's nobody in there. But it's always open. It's a place where you can go and spend some quiet time with the Lord by yourself or speak with one of the spiritual leaders of the church, pastor, elder, someone like that. Maybe there's something you've given up on, your marriage. Maybe you gave up on your teenage son. Maybe you've given up on your, on your parents. Maybe you've given up you know, on, on something. I don't know. Maybe tonight, tonight you go in there and go, hey, I need, I need some prayer. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up. And um, t- t- take advantage of that, okay? Tim, would you pray?